Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry in Arizona beat Colorado. It was, Brett, I would say it was about as expected, right? Arizona's offense was very good. The defense was better than the week before, but, of course, facing a much worse opponent. But final score, 43-20, and Arizona improved to 3-2 and on the season. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very satisfied to get the win in a convincing manner. I still kind of left that game and even sitting there like, I feel like there was a lot, uh, you know, both defensively and offensively, even still, even with all the great offensive performance passing the ball, I would like to see them like punch the ball in another time or two. Not Got stopped point. on a fourth and goal again. Yeah. You know, out of, I don't, let's not talk about uh, goal line offensive play calling anymore on this pod. Um, but uh, it's, it's source subject for me. Um, so like, can I, I, I feel whelmed. I would have felt better. <laughs> to see if um you know the defense had shown up a little bit more i'd like seeing some of the rotations in obviously the passing game was amazing though even uh you know like one of dorian or or not dorian singer jacob cowing's touchdowns where it was right on the goal line where he he ran a a beautiful route and it was a great fake going out and then cut it back in for like a slant yeah i mean i was there and i was watching i'm like oh i think i tweeted it out i'm like a, a good defense that's a pick six i don't think so I, I i saw your tweet and i watched the replays of it and i'm like he was open it was a it was a small window but he was open well i i guess i'm saying the the defender that was reacting to it a better defender that's also quicker and reacts earlier that throw is not there that could be arizona had one earlier later in the game too where they were just missing a pick six of their own and that's you know certain things i think what you're getting at probably brett is that arizona was significantly better than Colorado, but Arizona should be significantly better than Colorado. It yes. wasn't dominant. Like, it was a comfortable win. Jaden Delora was outstanding. Tied a school record of six touchdown passes, 484 yards, right, a career high. Uh, Michael Wiley found room to run. DJ Williams had a touchdown called back on a hold that wasn't really a hold, so that was unfortunate. But Arizona's offense was effective, in part because the receivers were unreal. Jacob Cowing was outstanding. Dorian Singer was great. T-Mac had his best game. You know, the one-handed catches had another touchdown. Like, Arizona's offense wasn't perfect, but it was close. The problem is that was largely because Colorado's defense is bad. Yeah. And then Colorado's offense, Owen McCown was actually not, I mean, for a true freshman making one of his first starts, like, not bad, but you could tell there's no talent on that roster. Should Colorado have scored 20 points against Arizona? No. But Arizona's defense, like, people are talking about the improvement they showed, and yes, statistically, they were improved over the week before. But I would attribute that more to Colorado just being inept more than anything Arizona did. And that's yeah, the worrisome I, part. Yeah, like McCown looked – I would have liked to see Arizona force a, a freshman into more mistakes at the quarterback yeah. spot. And make yeah, he looked too start. comfortable. He wasn't it, good, but he was comfortable. Yeah, he didn't look frazzled, which bluntly at a team that struggles as much as Colorado does, I would have liked to see him look more frazzled. And I I fear that speaks more to Arizona's defense than it does to McCown's um, you know, resolve. Um, but I mean, overall, you know, it's like I said, you take the win, 
you're you're happy about it and like even the talent question like i know there's a drop off in talent but like i also just don't think color like i mean and you know r.i.p carl durrell well not actually r.i.p he didn't die he <laughs> as far as we know i mean we're recording this on <laughs> wednesday the fifth but as far as we know carl durrell is still with us edit this out if he somehow dies by the time we post this because <laughs> that gets real dark um like they like they're and i know size alone does not translate to talent but like their o-line had some guys that are massive human beings on it and like i i wonder if their coaching staff does doesn't even get a lot out like a lot out of what they have um as much as they're lacking the star power like their 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 o-line was considerably bigger than our d-line and you would think that that should be able to open up some more holes than they have Mm -hmm. uh they did in that game or just in general this season but you know from an arizona perspective you know there were some fun plays uh you know, there's the double passes. There were some great, the, the receivers are proving us right when we were saying preseason that uh, we think this receiver room is way up there, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's before you even see a lot of A.J. Jones and Kevin Green and Jamari Joyner's not even. And like Tanner McLaughlin had the two catches, another touchdown where he just ran over a dude, basically broke the tackle. And, you know, yeah, it's 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 fun to see somebody uh, have poor tackling against Arizona. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know. like, but this is the game that we wanted to see. This was a game almost that we needed to see, right? Because Arizona, when they beat San Diego State, it's clear San Diego State isn't great. They're not what they were last year, but still a good win on the road. You know, Being North Dakota State was a nice win, especially. They're a good team, but it's still an FCS team. And then you follow that up with just the Cal game. It's like, wait, what? So Arizona needed to come back and win this game and needed to come back and win it in a convincing way. And I think what they could convince us of is the fact that their offense is capable of being really good, especially the passing game. But at the same time, the defense just isn't it. You know, like it's a talent issue at this point because this isn't like, well, they got out, they played a great offense and they held them to 20. Like, no, they played a really bad offense and gave up 20. (laughs) And that's, you know, it's not ideal, but it's that's who they are. Like this game to me, and we talked about this last week, you know, when I was kind of blaming Arizona's offense for the Cal game, this is who Arizona is, an offense that's capable of being just great. You know, up and down the field, throwing it on top, through, running over, just whatever they need to do, they have the ability to do it paired with a defense is just going to struggle to stop whoever they're playing. That's what, yeah. that's what they are. And we saw that I think in the Colorado game. Yeah. And I th- it, it's, it's something that doesn't necessarily augur well uh, for the, the murderers row stretch of games that Arizona is heading into starting with Oregon this weekend. But I, th- I think you're right. Like if, if Arizona's going to like, let's just say your goal now at three and two is the, the, the adjusted uh, successful season is making a bowl game. You got to find three more wins. It's going to be a lot more uh, Rich Rod type teams trying to outscore the other team than any any nail biters where it's like 24 21, right? Yeah, Arizona's like, not winning games if they score 20 points. In yeah, the 20s. they, they, they got to be putting up points in the high 30s, maybe even to the 40s, especially against some of these teams that are that have really good offenses that they're going to come up against. Um, and then, you know, I think that's the defense. I think the best you're going to hope for is to try to put up a little bit of a fight, and and bluntly, they got to force some turnovers for Arizona to have a chance in any of these next couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they've been relatively successful. I mean, the turnover, uh, the the defensive turnovers forced this year compared to last year and the years prior is you know night and day. Yeah, all they needed um, was a sword, I guess. So I guess I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean the sword is awesome. I'm still nervous that. 
I don't know how sharp that thing is, but I feel like <laughs> at some point a player is going to like slice a thumb off when they're doing that, unless it's like really blunted and they already like pre-cut it for him. I, it makes me nervous. Well, uh, you mentioned though, like the expectations, right? Arizona at three and two. If your expectation is a bowl game, let's talk about that really quick. The expectations now, because Arizona has, I don't want to say the easy part of this, but they've, they've gotten through the easiest part of their schedule. <laughs> you know, Like they've played Colorado, they've played Cal, they've played San Diego state, Mississippi state, North Dakota state. They're three and two. And I think anyone would have taken three and two at this point. I know when we had our preseason predictions, I had him at three and two at this time, but I had them beating Cal and losing to North Dakota State. So different way of getting there, but same record. What is your expectation now? Because, yeah, I don't have any expectation that they win any of these next five games. I don't. I wrote it for, uh, for AZ Desert Swarm. I would not be shocked or even really disappointed if they don't have a chance to win a game until late November. You know, but they host Washington State and ASU. Like, I'm not expecting a bowl game. I'm not counting on three more wins because I don't see them on the schedule. And yet I still look at what they've done now. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm pleased. This is a success. Yeah, I mean, grand scheme, the season is already a relative success, right? Um, You know, I think I had them four and one at this point in our preseason call. Uh, What I think I called five wins was my expectation. And I don't think I changed that uh, because I think I also said they were going to lose one. They could have should have won and we talked about you know last week like they're going to win one that they shouldn't win we're entering the games they shouldn't win for the next month month and a half right Mm -hmm. um so i i don't think arizona should win any of them but i also i expect them to to steal one i don't know what's going to be i think they're going to have and i think it's i think we know what that recipe is going to be it's going to be forced turnovers. It's going to be the passing game and the offense looks great. And there's going to be, you know, one of the, uh, there's going to be a game changing turnover or two, and that's going to be the difference. And it's basically going to be, you know, Arizona's is c- more competent now. And they are the definition in the next five, six games of, they have a puncher's chance against all of them. Um, but they're not going to be favored in any of them. But if they land that right punch, you know, they can win those games. And I, I, I expect them to, to land a punch at some point during the stretch. Okay. Like I, I imagine Arizona's going to be a double digit underdog in every single one of these games. There's two that I could see them having a chance in, and that's this Saturday against Oregon. And then at UCLA, the one that kind of finishes this up because I, it's funny because you look at Arizona, the, this murderer's role that they're facing, they played every one of these teams last season and competed with every one of them. <laughs> like they were in the Oregon game. They should have beat Washington. They were in the USC game in a manner of speaking. They were up against Utah for a time. And then UCLA, I think Arizona wins that game if Jordan McLeod doesn't get hurt. So like, are those teams better than they were last year? Probably in some cases, USC's case, especially in Oregon, it sounds like, you know, just looking at them that they're better, but so is Arizona. Now, so does that matter? Does what happened in 2021 have any relevance and bearing on what's going to happen here in 2022? I guess we'll find out. But yeah, it's a it's a tough stretch, but it's a good thing they got their third win. <laughs> you know, like most times, I imagine most persons say, if you could triple your win total from the previous year, you'd be happy. Granted, when your previous year's win total is one, it's not exactly a great season still. But for Arizona, I think, Brett, I imagine you agree with me with what we wanted to see from Jed Fish and his staff and just the improvement. We've seen it. You know, the proof of concept is there. Jed Fish has shown he can coach an offense, can build a scheme that gets guys open. Like we thought it was the case last year, just they couldn't find them. Well, they didn't have the talent. Now he's got talented receivers and they're getting open. He's got a quarterback who can make the read and get them the ball. You know, this is what Jed Fish is supposed to be good at. It looks like he can handle that role. Like he is good at that. You know, that that was necessary. Because to me, this helps the recruiting. You know, Arizona had a top 25 class last season, which is selling, you know, I don't say smoke and mirrors, 
but they were selling what they think they can do. Hey, we're going to tell you this is what we can do. Well, now they can show them that what they've done, you know, and say, okay, you come here, you can be part of this type of offense. And then if you're on defense, you're the missing piece. We have this offense to help you now go be part of the defense that completes the, you know, completes the picture. Yeah. And well, first off, uh, if we can triple our win total two years in a row, I'm going to go out on a limb and call that a success for Jed Fish. <laughs> um, no, I think that's right. And there's like guys like Leviticus Sua, like, you know, plenty of playing time available at the linebacker spot, right? Um, even as a true freshman, um, it's the, the season's already success, like I said. It's just a matter of what it's going to be. I think four wins now should be the floor expectation. Um, I think five is still the most likely. I think six is your your goal. You know, and let, if you really want to go crazy and say a stretch goal would be seven, but that requires you stealing a couple oh. of games. I just don't, I don't see happening. I think Arizona beats ASU to finish the season, and that makes this a smashing success. I, I like mean, everything that, else is gravy. At this point, if that's the only win the rest of the season, I, it, I agree. Well, um, you had, okay, let's put it this way. We'll, we'll have some fun with this as we close out our first segment here. Arizona's got Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, you say all currently ranked in the top 25. They host Washington State, who's just smoked in the last couple of, you know, handful of years. Of course, you've seen a few of those efforts in Pullman, so you might want some vengeance there. And then they got ASU. Arizona wins one more game the rest of the season. Which one do you want? You can pick one any I, one of those games. Which one do I want or which one do I think it nope. is? Which one? Do you, you can win any any one of those games. You can choose Arizona's last victory. Which one are you taking? Ooh. <laughs> Man. Because program-wise, beating a top-10 team is huge, right? If they beat USC, that's a big deal. If they go on the road and beat Utah, that's a big deal. Gosh. They beat Oregon on Saturday. Big deal. But ASU, man, get the territorial cut back, those bragging rights. You know? you're, you're including ASU in this list? I thought you were just talking about the next six murderers no, row. the rest I mean, of the season. No, the rest of the season. Oh, well, then, well, if it's the rest of the season, it's easy. It's ASU. Okay, if so you'll take the ASU win over like a top 10 win. Okay. Yeah, if it's if it's like, if we're excluding the ASU game as nope. the ASU, well, I'm going to take the rules and throw them back in your face at them. Jeez. Um, Cause like, it. you know, of the, of the ones that are not supposed to win. Um, I, 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 you know, I think my answers would be either Oregon or USC and not necessarily just because they're very good. Uh, my actual reasoning there is Oregon because their fans are insufferable. <laughs> um, <laughs> hi to all our listeners that maybe are uh, going to be seeing the retweet from our guest interview. Yeah, um, we are. Uh have a great guest coming up to talk about Oregon and help us preview the game. Um, and then the, uh, but the one that actually, I mean, I think is actually the the longer game would be USC, not just because they're USC and because they're probably the, you know, they're the highest rated team. and probably will be at the end um, because recruiting in LA is going to be so important. So if you can beat win in that game, it pays a lot longer dividends in my mind. If I have to pick one of these games to win, that's not ASU, then I'm taking USC. Because by then, Arizona's probably lost a couple. People are down, and then you come back home. It's homecoming. And yeah, USC's top 10 team, Lincoln Riley. There's, it's an L.A. school, right? Like, that is a notable win in Lincoln Riley's first season if you can knock off USC, who's probably going to be undefeated. You know, like, that's that's a good that's a good thing to have at that point. But yeah, I've always been the guy who says I'd rather have the big program win than just beating the rival. But this year feels a little different. <laughs> if we are including ASU, you know, I'd be like, yeah, beat USC. That's going to resonate nationally. But I would get, I'd be very satisfied if and or when Arizona beats Arizona State this year. Like uh, just to end that misery, to get the cup back, you know, just to 
you know, don't need to throw up a billboard or anything, but if Arizona wants to beat them by 64 points, that would be great. Well, and speaking of insufferable fans, let's talk about the ASU game. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, we'll see. Maybe Arizona will have more than just one win the rest of the way. You know, we could play by Brett's rules, maybe. Maybe Arizona has a couple wins left in them, you know, depending on how we break up the schedule. But the first next opportunity to get one of those wins is against Oregon Saturday night in Tucson. And we're going to talk about that game with Hithliday from AddictedToQuack.com about the Oregon Ducks after the break. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We're joined by Hithliday of AddictedToQuack.com to help us preview the Oregon game. Hithliday, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you because Arizona, I guess, last season Arizona went up to Oregon, was competitive in a game where their quarterback threw five interceptions but ended up losing that game. Oregon's a better team this season. Arizona's a better team this season. I know Jed Fish is looking to go 2-0 and against Dan Lanning with the first win obviously being getting T-Mac to Tucson. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that might be a little bit of a sore spot for Oregon. But I, when you look at Oregon this season compared to last season, how different are they? What makes them different? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, it it's a new coaching staff, uh, different offensive and defensive systems, um, although not so different that it was, you know, a, a challenging install or anything. The the personnel that had been recruited and was in place for it, you know, it's not like they really had any serious job title changes or anything like that. Um, I would say that uh, uh, Oregon is probably more dynamic at the skill positions than they have been in previous years, uh, sort of you know, that's been the primary area of turnover. Um, uh, you know, a lot more, you know, the running backs tend to make a lot of more, uh, you know, cuts and, and, you know, do sort of more dynamic stuff like, uh, Oh, the hole's not open. I'm going to bounce outside and try to make you miss instead of, you know, just like, well, this is where the hole is supposed to be. So I'm going to run right, you know, up and through it. Um, uh, it's pretty good, uh, wide receiver core, you know, good range, uh, of threats. Um, the tight ends are finally healthy, which is like, if you're familiar with Oregon's history at all, that's actually quite a story. Um, and, and they've had some tragedy in the room too, but, uh, Oregon is going four deep, uh, in terms of tight ends. And that's actually really interesting to watch out of the offense where they'll slide from anywhere between one and even three or technically four. They've been running some I formation stuff where technically there's a, you know, a fourth, uh, you know, person in there. Um, uh, yeah, you're right there though. You're flirting with Brett talking about tight ends. You're going to turn him into an organ fan yeah, with that boy. much tight end usage on the field. So just, just uh, warning yeah. as you continue just, here, just, just hold back from adding in a fullback into the conversation. I'll, oh I'll boy. Well, together. sometimes they get in the eye formation and that technically oh. Patrick Herbert, who's Justin Herbert of all people's little brother, uh, lines up as a, as a fullback in that. Oh, we lost Brett. He is an organ fan now. Yeah, right. well, now. Now you're just flirting with me. Oh, oh man. I, in fact, to my great delight, last week against Stanford, Oregon lined up in the I formation in the goal line and scored a touchdown with it against David Shaw, which I felt was pr- particularly <laughs> poetic. Um, <laughs> Stop. I can only take so much. Uh, on the defense. The goal line? <laughs> On the defense, I would say that the big the, the big difference is not so much personnel. Um, th- there are some scheme changes. They blitz the blitz patterns are a little bit different, but overall, you know, it still sort of looks like the three three five that Oregon's been running since since Brady Hoke got kicked out at the end of twenty sixteen. Um, 
I would say that the big difference between Oregon 2022 versus uh, 2021 is that the the inside linebackers are much more healthy. You know, last year is sort of like the big hidden problem about Oregon was that they were down to Noah Sewell. And then I'm not joking about this. It was, you know, two true freshmen, one of whom was a converted safety um, and a couple of walk-ons. Um, like it was, re- you know, like the injuries at inside linebacker were really bad. And Tim DeRuder was the defensive coordinator at that position, who you may recall was the, the uh, defensive coordinator at Cal for a long time. Where like solid. those yeah well those guys set records with their inside linebackers like the number of tackles because everything in the system gets funneled to the inside linebackers and oregon didn't have any or only had like one you know really high quality one and so like you know i could tell you from doing film study like a lot of oregon's defensive problems last year came from teams just attacking whichever side of the field noah sewell wasn't you know responsible for and sort of attacking those walk-ons and freshmen um this year you know it's a it's a much healthier group you know and and the folks who came back you know or uh, you know had that year of hell that they went through uh so you know I, i would say that you know that's a heck of a lot better um I, uh, you know, I generally like the personnel across the board. It is the most talented team in the conference, at least on paper. Um, and, uh, you know, just sort of generally doing film study. There's sort of, I would say the coaching staff, the big difference is that they sort of do the little things, you know, they sort of all the little game management stuff where you like eke out a little, you know, an extra possession here or an extra try here, or, you know, uh, you know, better timeout management. I know that stuff doesn't, you know, make a huge impact on a game, but like it can, like I said, it can squeeze out an extra touchdown right before the half, um, which, you know, like they did last week against Stanford. So, you know, I generally appreciate that kind of stuff, too. Well, and one of the one of the changes from last year has been the uh, the Bo Nix experience transferring mm-hmm. your starting quarterback. Uh, statistically, it looks like, you know, he's been doing quite well so far. Uh, but I, I know uh, I haven't watched all of the Oregon games and I'm sure most of our listeners have not either. Can you talk a little bit about how Bo Nix has been incorporated into the offense? I would say the biggest thing going from Oregon last year to Oregon this year is that uh, Anthony Brown, Oregon's quarterback last year, I I liked him in a lot of ways. I think that he was dealing with uh, a a particular problem both against Arizona and uh, and against Stanford. last year in which he was his rpo reads he was just making bad reads um and thankfully he they then got a bye week after that and it seemed like he got back on track in terms of his rpo reads so that was happy news but the the what never got fixed was um a he just wasn't throwing the deep ball i don't really know where that is it's like a whole thing with oregon fans you probably shouldn't open that can of worms um and b um he was just inaccurate you know just like you know, the way I would put it is the Anthony Brown tax was about seven points a game. Like, you know, every game there would be at least one drive that should have gone for a touchdown, but which instead, you know, would fizzle out because Brown would just place the ball in the wrong spot. Uh, neither of those things are, are true about Bo Nix. He's definitely thrown the deep ball uh, and he's pretty good at it. Um, and he's like the thing that's I know this kind of sounds like a small thing and it might sound like a no duh kind of thing, but like. Bo Nix is an accurate passer. Like he doesn't put the ball in the wrong spot. You, you know, it's like such a, and I mean like a hundred percent of the time he, he puts the ball exactly where it needs oh, to no, be. Arizona fans can relate to that. 
Like it, how nice it is to have a quarterback who can just it, complete I, a pass. I know it's it's just so it's just like it's such a relief that you don't have to worry about like you know roll the dice whenever the quarterback throws the pass, but whether or not the ball's going to be in the right spot. Now, if you can differentiate like inaccurate passing from stupid passing, Bo Nix does have a stupid passing problem. Like at least once a game, he puts the ball in danger, and I mean, frankly, it's it is my number one concern about this team. Like just about every other aspect of the team that I had sort of off season concerns about have been satisfactorily resolved in my opinion with that exception the like the bonix oh my god dude don't that's don't do that um it'll it'll happen once a game stanford was not able to turn it into a turnover um when he gave them that opportunity um but wazoo was and you know it was sort of almost a game-changing moment um and uh georgia did it twice you know like it's sort of you know that aspect of it is still a nail biter um but other than that uh, which I, you know, I know that's sort of a, you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play, you know, kind of thing to say, but, uh, other than that, uh, I've been very pleased with Bo Nix. I, I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the conference. It sounds a lot like how Arizona fans feel about Jaden Delora, who's been good for the occasional bad read or bad throw when he tries to force things. But, you know, I look at this game where I don't imagine last year's battle between these teams has any bearing on this one different coaching staff in Oregon obviously different players for each of these programs Arizona is a much better team than it was last season Oregon's a better team than it was last season I wonder though if the gap has really gotten wider or maybe smaller about the same just in a different way because Arizona's three and two they're decent Arizona which was not a good team last season went up to Autzen and competed in a game where their quarterback threw five interceptions yeah I know and Arizona's like wow that's the starting quarterback for them you know, you know and he was great. crazy about that game. Is I, I, my preview article that I wrote before that game, they were coming off of like, you know, some bad losses um, and and going through the, the quarterback, you know, problems that they had. And, and what I wrote in my article was like the smartest thing for Jed Fish to do would be to bench all of these quarterbacks and put Jordan McLeod in and write sort of a running quarterback kind of playbook. I know that Jed Fish can do it because he has all this experience all over the place. Um you know, it would just be so perfect if he did that, but you know, whatever, I don't have any film on that, so I can't show it to you. And, and then that's exactly what happened. I was like, Oh, don't I feel smart? Uh, and, and then the guy goes and throws five interceptions. And yet, you know, I come in for the game saying like, boy, Arizona could really kick some ass this year with Jordan McLeod. He sort of needs to settle in a little bit. And then unfortunately he got it injured against UCLA, yeah, which nice like, week. I mean, Arizona is going to beat UCLA if Jordan McLeod stayed, you know, healthy. And they definitely would have won more than one game. Um, if Jordan McLeod, you know, they had to go back to, to sort of the, you know, I don't want to talk too much trash about guys who didn't win the job, but like they didn't win the job. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, last year's game was sort of it was weird in a lot of different ways. Frankly, I think it was close for weird ways too. you know, like I, I think the Jetfish pulled a lot of like rabbits out of his hat in that game. Like like one of the things that I charted was on he broke out a bunch of new plays that he had never shown on film in the previous games before. And every time he did so, one of those new plays, it was on third down, which I'm like, ooh, that's clever, Jed. You know, like I I don't really see that kind of cleverness out of a lot of Pac-12 coaches, frankly. Um, I, I am anticipating the same thing. Um, like, you know, Wazoo against Oregon this year busted out three different trick plays, uh, all of which succeeded. And it was by far 
it was by far Wazoo's most successful play was the trick play. Like they, they actually really didn't get much going against Oregon's defense, um, except for they hit a one long bomb in garbage time after, you know, the Oregon had, had, you know, effectively locked down the game with a pick six. Um, uh, but, you know, excluding that, you know, garbage time thing by far Wazoo's most effective thing was the trick play. And then I'm watching Arizona's film and I'm like, Oh look, this team likes to do trick plays. <laughs> and I know that Jed fish likes to pull, you know, funny maneuvers against Oregon. Like he did last year so yeah i've sort of you know this sort of been nail biter for me so you know I, I i hear you on the trick plays and i think you're probably right but i'm curious to know you you know you've looked at a lot of film here how do you think uh aside from the trick plays i hope to get some big you know big gains in the explosive arizona offense how do you foresee jed fish and the, the arizona offense trying to attack the oregon defense and conversely how do you expect arizona to try to counter uh oregon who's been fairly effective running the ball in Arizona's defense has not been effective at stopping that. Well, I, I think I need to answer your question in reverse order. Um, I expect that Oregon is going to evaluate the greatest threat that Arizona presents as Jaden Delora doing stuff. You know, like I think, I think you guys would probably agree with me. The most dangerous aspect of the Arizona team is when the ball is in Jaden Delora's hands. Mm-hmm. And I think that Oregon probably knows that. And and, and twice so far this year, well, th- three, if you want to count the FCS game, uh, you know, I, I looked at a team that in BYU and in Stanford that had efficiency numbers across the board that looked very similar to Arizona. Like they presented strengths and weaknesses similar to what Arizona presents in terms of strengths and weaknesses. And both times, you know, the prediction that I made in my article is that Oregon's going to respond to this set of strengths and weaknesses by trying to play ball control and just running the ball and keeping the ball out of the opposing, the dangerous opposing quarterback's hands. Well, but and, see where that doesn't work against Arizona is when Oregon runs the ball, they'll get 95 yards in three plays. Yeah. It's all right back into, into Laura's hands. So this is perfect. <laughs> Right. So, so to answer your question, Brett, they like, I expect that that's what this, and so I get the same feeling about this game and I expect that that's what Oregon strategy is going to be is, is simply try to keep the ball out of Jaden Delora's hands. And, and I think that the whole point of that strategy is to narrow the window um, that Arizona has to win the game to, you know, hitting some shots. Uh, and it will Frankly, it will be interesting to me to see if Jaden Delora can hit some shots. He's a very good intermediate passer. Like he, those like the, those like ten to twenty yard like dig routes that he just loves throwing. You know, when it's like, uh, and he's got a great crew of uh, of kids to to throw it to. You know, uh, two and four and and five and eighty four. Uh, I'm sure they have human names, but I just know them all by their jerseys. <laughs> um, like you know, he's got a great you know set a crew to throw it to but like i haven't really in the years i've been studying the guy including at wazoo like i i don't really see him throw deep balls with accuracy i know he hit that one to singer last week against colorado although frankly i don't really think that was a completion um but oh, even that was- one uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, well, the Pac-12 How ref said you. so, so therefore it must be true, right? I'm um, going to throw that logic back in my face. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, Singer had to make that as a one-handed catch. It he doesn't have to make it as a one-handed catch if it's a perfectly accurate throw. You know what I mean? Like I, I, Dolores got kind of a funky throwing motion. You know, he kind of has to like power up to throw those balls. You know what I mean? He sort of looks like an anime character who's like harnessing his chi to, to make those throws. And like, yeah, I think 
but really it's because in the two offenses that he's been operating under it's he, he's not really asked to make deep throws it's it's primarily a intermediate throw or scramble around and make some magic which is also something that Oregon has been vulnerable to wazoo like J, like Cameron Ward was like Jaden Delora you know the FCS version where it was just like I'm just gonna scramble around and make crazy things happen uh and like I you know whenever I turn on the tape of Jaden Delora and he's doing that I'm just like oh man not this again <laughs> um, so you know that and if he can hit deep shots I think that Arizona's got a shot um but if they just let Oregon you know run the ball and hold it for 45 minutes it's gonna be tough yeah, it doesn't seem like obviously Arizona's an underdog for a reason. I think the line opened at like ten. It's ballooned since then a little bit, which makes sense because Oregon is the better program. There's a reason they're top ten in the country. But I wonder too, like Oregon has trouble in the state of Arizona. It's one of those weird things that shouldn't be a thing, right? From year to year, every yes. team is different, and yet they have struggled. Whether it's in Tempe or even in Tucson, like worse. I don't. Know if, I don't know if worse Arizona teams. You know, like the 2013 team. That ended up winning with BJ Danker. That was probably a better team than this Arizona team. But there have been not particularly good Arizona teams that have beaten good Oregon teams in this state. Is there any? Is there anything to that from your vantage? Like, why would Oregon, who's been one of the better programs in the country in the Pac-12, especially over the last you know decade or so, what is with the issues in the state of Arizona? And is that anything to even kind of keep in mind as this game gets going? Yeah, I mean, it. There's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. And yet the pattern is very clear. And it's clear of of every every team in the Pac-12 North. You know, ask Cal or ask Washington or ask Oregon State, you know, what they think about playing in the desert. And all of them will make the same, like, sign of the cross. Like, you, you know, I don't, you know, maybe it's we're all used to to, to forest and, and trees and, 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 and rain up here. And, and, and they're absent. And this is disconcerting in the desert. I don't know what it is. It doesn't make any sense because you're right. It's, it's usually more talented teams losing upset games to less talented teams in the desert that don't make any sense. I mean, hell, Jaden Daniels is starting at LSU on the strength of precisely one good game that he played in his entire career at ASU. And that was beating Oregon in the desert in 2019. throwing passes that he had never thrown in at any point before or since he's never been accurate throwing the deep ball except he hits four of them against Oregon because weird desert magic you know I don't know what it is scorpions and, and saguaro cactuses and the moonlight I don't know man like it, it doesn't make any sense and so like when you ask me like well what's the answer to it I, you know like you might as well ask me you know life the secret of life, the universe, and everything. It's just like, I don't know, man. No one knows. Well, and even off that then, is there any sense, because maybe before Oregon would come to Arizona, the state of Arizona, and maybe overlook their opponent or be looking past them, coming off a, a win against Stanford, which obviously Stanford's not very good this season, but that's still a nice But that's game. another monkey on Oregon's yeah. back. Like, I guess there is the bye week after this Arizona game for Oregon before they get UCLA. Is there any sense that they could possibly overlook the Wildcats who – you know, Arizona's not as good as Oregon, right? Is, I, is there any sense that that could be a thing? I don't really feel like this is a trap game in the same way, um, or or in the sense that that term is usually used. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, you know, like you said, there's a buy, you know, afterwards. There's no real reason, you know, not to, to be looking ahead or anything like that. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I think this, you know, I, I don't understand eerie desert magic. 
Um, and I never understand why quarterbacks who are capable of scram like I'm sure that you're familiar with this phenomenon. There are games where scrambly quarterbacks look phenomenal because they do like crazy magic stuff. And there are games in which they scramble all over the place and they throw a bunch of picks And like Arizona's had both kinds this year and it's only been five games. So like what predicts, you know, the good version of scrambly quarterback and what predicts the bad version of scrambly quarterbacks is another mystery that I don't have the answer to. But if, they get the good version of scrambly Jaden Delora. Um, I mean, hell that, that pass against color against Colorado where he throws it behind Tetro McMillan and he still catches it. They're just like, Oh, I guess the guy, the football guys are smiling on Jaden Delora today. And like, I don't know, it feels like every scrambly quarterback gets those against Oregon. So I would expect a good, like 80 yards on, on magical stuff like that, you know, just book it right now. Well, I would like to, I think we should ascribe some of those catches, not to Jaden Delora, but to T-Mac. Uh, sorry, well, which sorry, T-Mac are you talking about? Uh, McMillan. <laughs> yeah, there's two of them. That's the crazy thing. That's true. The yeah. title, there's like, I think there's, what do they call him, McGronklin? Uh, yeah, I like McGronklin. He sort of came out of nowhere. I, I, He wasn't really on my radar screen for Arizona tight ends going into the season. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a monster so far. Um, but to kind of, to kind of, take off on what you were just talking about of, uh, you know, maybe they don't look Arizona uh, just based on the schedule, but what's, you know, you've reviewed a lot of the film here and you, you, you have a good sense of the pulse of Oregon fans in, in general, and maybe the program sense what's uh what's an outsider's perspective on this Arizona team. That's three and two and clearly improved, but is, has the perception been broken a little bit or what's, what's the outside looking in perspective? Well, you've made a couple of jokes about it so far, you know, about swiping uh, Tetro McMillan, you know, from Oregon, who, who, you know, it's not like any program deserves anybody. Like, they, they're not property. But like, uh, you know, that's definitely been the remarkable thing about, you know, I I, comp- I, I keep an entire database of the entire every player in the Pac-12. And I'm, you know, a- able to, you know, easily query up like, well, you know, what's the the, you know, of, of the actual r- that's on the roster right now, uh, guys, like what is the average talent rating? And in 2021, Arizona was on the bottom. And in 2022, they're they've moved up two spots. They they had the biggest, you know, gain in net talent um uh, r- you know ranking the of anybody in the Pac-12 far and away like no nobody else is even close in terms of you know just the size of improvement and it's pretty much all on the offense you know and and so it definitely sort of makes Arizona an offense-led team but like you know one of the teams that they passed was Colorado and you could see it on the film when you watched Arizona play Colorado it's like oh this team is talented and this team is not like and that's what happens when such teams play um and Oregon sort of I think if to speak on behalf of Oregon fans, maybe that's dangerous, but uh, Oregon also sort of went through a talent transformation a couple of years ago when the Taggart and Cristobal Cruz showed up in 1718, because Oregon, even, you know, through the Mike Blotty, Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich era, you know, that was a let's get some plucky three stars and develop them and do some fun stuff, you know, strategically. And we'll, we'll outwork our opponents. Um, we don't need to get four and five stars. Um, and you know, and then they would crash out in title games. Uh, and then, you know, Cristobal at all show up and they're like, now we need talent, dude. Like we just do. And like, I know you think that Eugene is not a place that's easy to recruit to. In fact, one coach who's been recently fired said so to the media. Uh, but then he went out and recruited a bunch of dudes anyway. And like all of a sudden Oregon's on top of the conference in terms of talent. I mean, they're better than USC. I'm not joking about that. Um, or at least according to two, four, seven. Um, 
And, uh, uh, you know, and, and so seeing another coach who just shows up and immediately goes to work, you know, doesn't make excuses, doesn't say, well, this is a one in 11 team. I'm going to need to win some games first and then I'll be able to go hit the recruiting trail and get a bunch of dudes like Jetfish didn't make those excuses. He just immediately went and got a bunch of four and five star talent. And it's like, yeah, man, that's the way you do it. And I feel like a lot of Oregon fans who definitely appreciate the talent transformation that's happened in Eugene over the last five years, look at Jed Fish and are like, oh, there's another dude who gets it. And at least he's in the Pac-12 South, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we, we could we could afford to have a, another Pac-12 championship game battle, right? As long as we're still in the <laughs> Pac-12. <laughs> well, I mean, I liked the last one, so. <laughs> that, that's fair. Yeah, I was, you know. Revenge, like that wasn't that wasn't cool because Arizona had to beat Oregon twice to win that season, mm. whereas Oregon just had to beat Arizona once. You know how that goes, but you know. Yes, Oregon has lots of experience in conference championship games. It's true. It's, it's something of a burden. I, I'm sure someday that may be true for Arizona. <laughs> I'm sure it won't be, but I appreciate your optimism. Uh, uh, Hitler Day here. Before we let you go, obviously, this has been great information about Oregon. Of course, the perspective of like what this Oregon team brings is going to be bringing to Tucson Saturday evening. But how do you see this game playing out? Because we talked about how you think Arizona has a chance, the crazy magic, the scramble of Jay and Delora. Oregon's going to want to keep the ball out of his hands by running the ball. But, of course, Arizona's run defense is not great. Mm. So like, how do you see this game going in terms of Arizona, Oregon, Saturday night in Tucson? Well, if we can, if we can momentarily bracket the crazy stuff, if we you know, just look at fundamentals um, – you know, the fundamentals say that Oregon's at least a two score better team, um, you know, and there's an obvious strategy that we've discussed in, in terms of like how they would go and execute that strategy. Um, so like I, you know, if no crazy stuff happens, I expect that this game will, you know, effectively be decided by the third quarter. And at that point, Lanny's going to put in the backups and they're going to give up two scores and we'll all be sweating it. So. <laughs> You know, that that's been the pattern for the last couple of games. Um, so, uh, you know, between that factor and crazy desert magic, I wouldn't, you know, even though I think, you know, I was getting the line at 13 and a half points. And if I knew somehow that no, like if I used magic powers to determine that no magic was going to happen in this game, I know oh, that must sound crazy. Uh then I would go ahead and lay the points with Oregon. But knowing that crazy stuff is going to happen and knowing that if Oregon does get a lead, they're going to put in the backups and then Jaden Lohr is going to feast on them. Boy, I'd stay away from it. Like, <laughs> I'd stay far away from it. So a game that's probably the final score will not indicate exactly how competitive it was. That's kind of... Uh, yes, I think that's a fair way to put it. But Oregon still wins. That's <sighs> that's fine. I know I'm going to write my position for AZ Desert Swarm, my prediction. I think I'm going to have Oregon by about 10 give or take, you know, that's kind of how I see it playing out. I, I, I think I, I would put it this way. I, I think at one point in this game, Oregon will be up by three scores, whether it finishes on, you know, with three scores as the final margin of victory, boy, I wouldn't bet on that. Um, cause, cause a bunch of reasons. Um, but I think at some point in this game, Oregon will be up by, you know, like 17, something like that. And then it'll probably come down. <laughs> that's reasonable. I think that's fair. Brett, are we, are we okay with that? Right. I mean, I would rather we win. <laughs> I mean, Arizona's got this brutal stretch coming up. Like, until you guys finally get to take revenge on ASU at the end of the year, um, it's like six ranked teams, right? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's five ranked teams and then Washington State, who very well could be ranked. Yeah, the time yeah exactly. Yeah. I think they are I mean, technically 26th right now based on the others receiving votes. And then the North teams that Arizona misses are Stanford and OSU, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I got to play Cal and that didn't go so well though. So we I, I mean that was a winnable game. I mean, like frankly, if Arizona's run defense was functional, they should have beat Cal. Like the you know, Cal has this massive hole in the middle of their zone defense, and I have to be really careful not to say Cal zone defense. because uh, then I'm gonna sound like Adam Scott and Parks and Rec. Um but uh it was I mean it's like the hole in the side the hole in the middle of their defense is just so enormous and that's exactly where Arizona wants to throw the ball to like Arizona should have scored 40 points and if their defense were functional they would have kept Cal to like 10 or 15 like they should have walked away with that game and it's the same reason that Wazoo beat him because Wazoo sort of is the same way like they also want to attack the middle of the field and that's exactly what they did and it's why Wazoo beat the snot out of Cal um yeah that one's gonna sting man at the end of the year like I, I really feel like that letting that Cal game slip away is going to sting. Sorry. Why did I bring that up? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay, though, because if Arizona beats Oregon and the sting of the Cal yeah, game right. is less. All right. That's, that's how you do it. I guess I walked into that. Well, Hitler Day of AddictedToQuack.com. We really appreciate the time on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Great insight, great information. And, you know, we'll hope for a good game on Saturday night. I know you're expecting to go one way. I kind of agree with you. But either way, you know, it should be a fun one to watch. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and it was great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so that's Hitler Day from AddictedToQuack.com. You can find him on Twitter at HitlerDay1. When we come back, we'll give you our thoughts on the game that Arizona will be playing against Oregon Saturday night in Tucson. We're back. Thanks again to Hitler Day from AddictedToQuack.com for that great insight into Oregon. That was one of my favorite interviews that we've done, Brett. He is such a good guest, so knowledgeable, and he was fun. So that, that was, I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's great. And he, I mean, he's just straight up flirting with me on the air with all that power. I talk, especially on the goal line and tight ends. Was well, that him flirting with you? Or is that Oregon? Is that Dan Lanning flirting with you and Kenny Dillingham, right? Like Oregon is a different team than we've seen. And like to hit point when it was the chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich, you know, that type of range, they had a certain style. Then Cristobal comes in and tries to change it up. And now Lanning's kind of taking that ball and moving it forward. Like Arizona is better than they were last season. We know that they're leaps and bounds better than they were last season kind of sounds like Oregon is too. Like, like I wish, I wish Oregon had stayed about the same level and Arizona got closer, but it sounds like maybe there's still a considerable gap between them. Yeah. I, I thought your question was a really good one. Cause it, you know, I, I still think Arizona is a bit of an unknown quantity to, to, to even us as fans, right? Like we're getting a sense of it and we just don't know how much better they are. And bluntly, I don't even think anybody knows how bad Arizona really was last year. Cause they were in it in the fourth quarter so many times, but, you know, they still found ways to lose. Um, yeah, you know, thinking about this game, the, it's it seems very clear, though, what is going to, you know, Arizona's path to victory is, is very clear. Oregon's going to try to power run the ball. Arizona's defense has not done well to that thus far this year. So that makes makes for a sad Brett because I just, just <laughs> 40 points. Seems um, like Oregon's path to victory is wide open <laughs> like like Arizona's defensive well, front right yeah. <laughs> or, or I, we need to, we need to make a meme of Jaden not on the second carry of the game and be like here's Oregon looking at this game and there's the hole that's like eight feet wide for an 85 yard touchdown Oregon's path is unobstructed just as most of their running backs will be Saturday <laughs> <Yeah>. night <laughs> yeah and so I mean I I don't think we can reasonably expect dramatic improvement from Arizona's defense. You know, I hope to see marginal improvement against the run. Um, you know, we sadly they seem like they've been regressing as the weeks have gone by. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also I think Arizona's offense has gotten much better, and I think that uh, Oregon's defense is 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 susceptible there to and to getting some big plays. And if you know that 
as as he, as our guest talked about with the the trick plays. I think those will be there. Uh, I don't even think I don't even think Arizona's had like a you know like a crazy eighty yard touchdown yet this season. They've had some no. relatively big plays, but they haven't quite had that like explosive touchdown. No, they've been methodically moving the ball down the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the only chance for Arizona is that is is that puncher's chance we were talking about of they got to force some turnovers, and that's going to be real hard against a team that's going to probably run the ball thirty five times. Uh, but Arizona's been pretty good at forcing some fumbles, and then you got to just hope that you can recover a couple of them, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I would say this is not a great matchup for Arizona, but I imagine we would say that about every game over the next five. <laughs> you know, yeah. like when you're when you're still towards the bottom of the conference, most teams you play are going to be better. And when Arizona has such a clear weakness at the area that most teams would break to, like most teams would rather just run the ball if they can. <laughs> like if you don't have to put the ball in the air, you're going to be very happy just to hand the ball off, you know, all night. And that until Arizona can at least put up a fight on the ground, it's going to be tough for them to win games, especially against a team like Oregon that does have talented running backs, a talented quarterback, and good pass-catching options, too. Like, this isn't where, like, Colorado or Arizona could maybe stack the box to try to have some semblance of a run defense because you don't worry about Owen McCown and, you know, the true freshman quarterback with middling receivers beating you. Like, you can't you can't kind of gloss over it against Oregon. Like, you have to play defense and win some of your battles and be in your gaps and just make plays. And, yeah, I don't I don't see it. Like if Arizona's going to have a chance in this game, kind of like I've talked about before, it's going to be on the offense. Like I liked how when Arizona played Colorado, Arizona got the ball to start, go down the field, take a 7 nothing lead, just like that. You know, make the other team have to play catch up the entire time. It can change things. I'm not saying a 7 nothing lead would end the game for Arizona's favor. Like, no. They're Stop not going to count. Yeah, right? <laughs> like that's not going to be the case Saturday, but that's the type of performance Arizona, I think, needs to have a chance. One of those where, like, they have to make Oregon stop them too because I don't see Arizona stopping Oregon. Not enough. No, to, to realistically have a chance in this game, Arizona's got to be scoring in the 40s easily, right? Yeah. Like, and even then it might not be enough. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do you think, Brett? What are, what are you seeing from Arizona, Oregon, Bo Nix versus Jaden Delora, the battle of the transfer quarterbacks in the desert? Uh, smash the over bet. I think it's <laughs> going to be a shootout because um, I, I have faith in Arizona's passing game. that They'll put points on the board. Uh I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go with uh Oregon 47 Arizona 42 so they're going to score 40 plus and still lose but cover. Okay. Yeah, it's a 13 point spread here. The over under is 71. So people are expecting oh, smash that over. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you you said I got Oregon 37 27 just because I don't think it's going to be necessarily a night of big plays, but I think it's going to be like Oregon like our guest said Oregon probably has a three score lead for much of the time and then Maybe Arizona gets a cheap garbage time-ish touchdown late to bring it within 10. I don't think Oregon's just going to go off. I don't think that's going to be their game plan because, like Hitler Day was saying, they don't want to put it in Arizona's offense's hands. If granted, you know, if Arizona's giving up 80-yard touchdowns, they won't have much of a choice. God, that's, but... that's, that's what I'm calling. <laughs> okay. So... They're going to play this time of possession game and lose it accidentally so... by scoring 70-yard touchdown runs. Based on my prediction, I would take the under on the points but take Arizona plus the 13, 13 and a half. So we'll see. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's a competitive one though, because for Arizona, you don't expect them or demand wins in games like this, but you'd like to see them compete like that. You want them to be past that, you know, for last year, it's just show fight, just show competitiveness. And like, you want to be like, okay, now start winning. They have, they have started winning, but I'm not expecting them to start winning against teams like this games like this. Not yet. So that's kind of well, how I think what we want to see. 
And I'm kind of the uh, a sub storyline that I'm kind of curious to see, and our guest kind of talked about it. I wonder if Jed Fish is going to pull out even more tricks this game because, like, yeah, they ran a couple trick plays against, like, true trick plays against Colorado. Uh, but like, is there more that they're holding back in terms of? Gosh, I'm curious what that would look like. Those are some pretty not generic. There's a generic trick play, but I mean, like pass backs to the quarterback, you know, a receiver well, thrown to the quarterback on the wheel route. You know, those are those some are of those weird standard. alignments, like a couple of weeks back, where you had the left tackle lined up out next oh, yeah. to against the, North Dakota State, right? Yeah. And and uh, what was that weird formation they had early against ASU last year, like? And but it, but not even just like crazy trick plays, but just doing not what is the base routes, right? Like maybe some if you can if you can hold back the defensive pressure and get some double moves for the true explosive plays that maybe they haven't put on film yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Like those are the subtle things that 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 may be the difference, and you know this might be the game where you pull those out. Yep. I mean, it, nah, it's as good a game as any. So we'll see what happens. As we wrap up here, Brett, it's been about a week or so since the red-blue game happened, Arizona men's basketball. I, the overreactions that people have from that is always, you know, things happen. The most important thing that I gleaned from that is it's Vesar is how you pronounce Henry's last name. Vesar, not Vesar. So that was good. I mean, very, it's less less fun to pronounce. but I'm very pleased with that. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I, I will say, though, of that game, like, he reminded me of Azulis Tubelis' freshman season where a guy comes in, you're like, okay, we don't know what to expect of him. You know, maybe bring on slowly. And it's like, no, he's going to force his way onto the floor. You know, that he just seems to have that skill set, someone who can play right away, whether he's not, he's not going to start, but someone who's going to get, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a night, I think, pretty early on, I think, Vesar. But otherwise, you know, it's good to see them out there. The red jerseys could be better. The blue jerseys look nice. So, you know, red-blue game. Yeah. Now that they debuted the red jerseys, let's retire them and replace them with something better. <laughs> they could have been so if they just had the same basic look as the other jerseys and made them red, it would look cool. But yeah, it's it, a branding thing, right? The Arizona cross is what Arizona football uses, what women's basketball like. That's the Arizona font, so they put it on there, and I'm like, no. Well, but no. even that, like the numbers are like weirdly font sized. It's just it's just a little off. It was a miss. I think the <laughs> the white and the blues are very nice. I think they did a good job with those. The red the ones reds, look like they a, missed. They look like a, a quick Photoshop edit where they're like, let me snatch this football text for the Arizona font and then drop some numbers in there and they're not quite the right size. Yeah, it's like, and people are like, oh, it looks like the women's jerseys. And there's, that's fine. The women should have nice jerseys too. Like, don't make both jerseys bad. Try to make both jerseys good. Like, make the men's basketball jersey good and then change the women's to look good too, as opposed to just making them both not so good. So Hot, hot takes from Adam Green. Make yeah, both jerseys good. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so we'll see. I, I don't imagine that's the reaction they were expecting from their uniform drop. People were so excited to see Gradient gone. And I think people were generally cool with the white and the blue jersey. Like, all right, we see what you're doing here. All right. And then like, oh, there's a red. Interesting. Let's see. Oh, no, that's it. Oh, okay. Two out of three ain't bad, I guess. It'd be, it'd be great for uh, the batting average. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> um, other news from football. T-Mac was named Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. That was cool. Much deserved. You know, he had a very good game, some great catches. The one-handed grab was just insane. Like it's yeah, funny, like too. watching him watching him play, though, it's like the way he plays with you, right? Cowling's a small, fast guy. Dorian Singer's just everything. He's got speed, he's got size. T Mech looks so lanky out there. You know, especially when he's stretching out to grab a ball with one hand. I get it. But like wow. Like, yeah, he, that was when, cool. When he gets a little stronger, that's when you're talking first round pick. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You could see the potential. Like, he's already a good player as a true freshman. And you just assume he's going to get stronger and more physical. There was blocking. That was a point of emphasis and was better in the last game. So, yeah, he's going to get much, much better. Um, of course, Arizona softball and Emma Kavanaugh, a catcher, number two catcher in the class of 2024. Good job, Caitlin Lowe. But before we wrap up here, we did send out a mailbag for this week because there are some things that have been happening. So we asked our Wildcat Radio 2.0 listeners at Wildcat Radio AZ is the Twitter handle. Sent out the mailbag just wondering what, what they wanted to know and get our thoughts on. So, Brett, what do we have? So the first one we have is from W Dan at Winston underscore Dan. Uh, is it safe to say that JDL, Jaden Delora, produces on odd weeks and struggles on even weeks? Week one, three, and five, JDL was unstoppable. Weeks two and four, not so much. Let's hope JDL becomes more consistent down the stretch. I mean, week four, he did have a then career high in passing yards against Cal, right? He, interceptions came late. So I, <laughs> I, I think the, the gist of that question, though, is probably. There is going to be some inconsistency with Jay and Delora, but I don't know if it's so much him as so much as just the talent around him. Like Mississippi State is a good football team. They're better than Arizona. They made life harder. But I think if JDL, if Delora has time to throw, he should produce against everybody every single week because he's got such good receivers that will get open. But there's going to be the occasional bad throw that throw you're like, what are you doing? Especially if Arizona's down when he forces it. But otherwise, he's a good quarterback. Arizona's got themselves a good one. Yeah, I think he's asking if JDL is an odd quarterback. Ha ha ha. Um, you know, it's I, I, I think your point is well taken that uh, it, the competition matters. And even even in, I, you know, I, I agree for the week, the week four performance. I think people that are trying to blame Cal on Jaden Delora are placing the blame in the very wrong place. Um, and because even like the you can question some of the decisions late for some of those picks. But and like, honestly, even more than production for me, I want to see decision making out of him. Right. Yeah. And if he's making the right decisions and it doesn't work out, I can live with that. Like against Oregon, he can make the right reads, run when he needs to, you know, throw the ball away, put the ball where only his receiver can get it. And maybe the receiver doesn't get it. Like if he's making the right calls uh, and the right decisions, I'm going to call that a success. Um, you know, I think we'll, it'll be real curious to see if that, if that carries through this murderer's row. I do know that, uh, um, at Equity Bruin, that the No Truck Stops pod has a, a working theory that JDL cannot have a good two good games or two bad games in a <laughs> row. So it would seem to align with with the question here. Um, but I would I like, yeah, I would I would question whether Week Four was a bad one. I, I I think I'm a little bit concerned about what Week Six looks like. So we'll see how how much that even week plays out this week. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine it's probably going to be more to do with Arizona's opponents than it will be with Jay and Delora. But part of the Jaden Delora experience is occasionally you're just like, oh no, like that's. But oftentimes you're like, oh yeah. And Sometimes I think, in the same play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there's gonna be a lot more oh yeah than oh no's with Jaden Delora. But of course the schedule does stiffen up considerably over the next you know month or so. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And so next question we have is from Gary L. Freed at G L. Freed. Uh, Given how quickly Coach Fish has changed the trajectory of UA football, uh, should we have concerns about a quote, rich school stealing him away. I'm always on the no on these things, not because I don't think he could leave or be poached away, but because if a rich school decides to get, wants Jed Fish, it's because he's turned Arizona around. Granted, if it happened after this season, right? Like, so I don't know which school, Nebraska, I know is looking, right? I bet 
whatever. So if one of those rich schools comes calling after this and says, we like what you've done there. We see what you're building. We'd like to bring that here. And then he leaves. Arizona's not in the place it needs to be to sustain. But if it's two years from now, three years from now, and there's all these recruiting classes in it, Arizona has now been to bowl games the last couple of years and has produced NFL talent, then it should be easier for the next coach to come in and keep that going. So like, would I be worried, right? Would I be worried at some point? Yes. Because if he is that good of a coach, then there's going to be a rich school or more of a blue blood who could be like that. Or I think the NFL could be a place for him too. He has that, you know, he's got that connection. But I wouldn't, I'd, I don't think it's going to happen until it could, like it should happen and it shouldn't happen right now. So does that make sense? Is that? I, I think so. I mean, you said a lot of words. I they did. Were sentences. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I was actually somewhat concerned when there was Chip Kelly getting fired last offseason potential rumors that UCLA might come calling because he used to, you know, he was like the interim He's coach there, there yeah. years ago. Um, so I think to your point, I definitely agree that if, if, if it's always a good thing if, if, if teams are trying to come poach your coach, uh, because that means you're doing things the right way. And plus, if your athletic director is not completely incompetent, even if they get poached, you have a lot more money to hire the successor, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, rather than you know paying somebody $10 million to go away, you may have $10 million to go throw at the next coach. That goes a long way to maintaining success. Um, that being said, I've also been the person on the record numerous times that said if Jed Fish had Arizona at or above 500 at any point this season, I think it's worth doubling down and making that buyout a little steeper. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I wouldn't overpay for him, but I would very seriously consider giving him a raise. And, and, and part of that is to increase the buyout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a little bit more, I think it's more complicated than that. Cause also it's like, what kind of budget does he have for assistant coaches, et cetera. There's a lot of things to kind of figure out there. Um, you know, I would, if, if Arizona gets, if somehow Arizona gets to six and six or seven and five, uh, my 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 fear would be that we haven't even started those conversations until it's the end of the season when somebody's already you know gonna overpay for him when he wins Pac-12 Coach of the Year with a 500 team, right? <laughs> um, but also he'd bluntly deserve it if they were a 500 yeah. team this year. Um, so you know, I guess I'm both worried and not worried <laughs> if that if that makes sense. Um, you said a I, lot of words, yeah, sentences, yeah. We are we are true <laughs> podcasters today, Adam. We're just f- filling this the air with with words. If five years from now Jed Fish gets poached, that's a great sign. You know, three years from now he gets poached, that's a great sign for what Arizona has become. Because no one's poaching your coach if you're not winning games. That's just not how it works. And I don't remember. I'm trying to think of the last coach Arizona had that got taken. Like they usually fire their coaches. You know, I remember when Richard almost left, and you know, it's like okay, well, Arizona was doing pretty well. That would have made sense. You know, it's a much better place to be in to get that buyout like you were talking about. So, like, if Jed Fish is the guy, if he's that good, I think the hope is that he loves that Arizona gave him his opportunity. Arizona supports him. He shows he can win at Tucson and decides to stick around for a while. Like, it's entirely possible he could be that guy. You know, his track record doesn't show it, but he's also never been the head coach and never gotten this opportunity. But if five years from now he's a successful coach, he's gotten Arizona the three bowl games, maybe in one of Pac-12 South or Pac-10 by that point probably, whatever it is, and some big-time program comes calling, I wouldn't blame him for leaving, and I wouldn't be upset. I'd be like, okay, I'm bummed to see my coach leave because I like him, but now Arizona is in a better place. And that's all you ask of your coaches, to build a program and make it. You want your program to be better than when the coach took over. Like Kevin Sumlin, it was not better from when he (laughs) took over, 
Rich Rodriguez, no. it's probably about the same because there's different level of talent. But like, you want to be in a better place. Jed Fish, hopefully, is going to leave them in a better place if and when he does leave. Well, and I think there's a, 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 the other side of this coin is even if Jed Fish gets poached, I think he's smart enough to know he's never going to be the guy at a bigger program like he is at Arizona after turning them around and building it exactly the way he wanted to literally strip down to the studs. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's, there's something to that. And like, he's earned a lot of goodwill, even being like, even being three and two right now, like, you know, he's no matter how the rest of the season goes, he's not getting fired. Right. He's not, I would hope, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, so like, if you go take over Nebraska, I mean, this is Nebraska that fired uh, what's I always bring it up, Tom Osborne's successor, and I forget the guy's name every time, where we went nine and two in this first year. Is it Callahan? I think it was. Um, but like, you know, there's a it's a different level of of pressure and control. And like, you know, Rich Rod goes to Michigan and they're like, you know, you read the book three and out, and it's like they didn't like the language you used. You said y'all, and it's like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, here they're they're already like they're not they're not, uh, you know, building the statue yet, but, but you know, if he finishes seven and five this year somehow, they're gonna they're gonna be like, okay, we lifetime contract, please. Yeah, they'll if they haven't built the statue by then, they'll have it commissioned by that. Point. Yeah, they'll yeah. have the location picked out. Yeah, they will. <laughs> so, good questions, though. I like those. Yeah. Uh, and of course, obviously, we'll start getting into some basketball talk too as that starts happening. We'll continue to have good guests to help preview these football games. And Brett, I think that about does it for this week's show is there anything else do we miss anything i think that's i think that's it all right well of course everyone you can find us on twitter at wildcat radio az is the handle we often send out the mailbags but even if we don't if you have a question just ask it to us and we'll get to it on that show also you know you can find us on itunes on spotify if you are on itunes give us a rating and a review we will be review on the show good or bad otherwise yeah arizona oregon saturday night at arizona stadium uh, Pac-12 in the dark. I don't know if it's after dark because, you know, it'll get dark during the game. But maybe there'll be some of that weirdness, you know? Maybe like, <laughs> maybe like Hitler Day was saying, like some of the weird stuff that'll happen that goes down, Arizona needs the crazy, and maybe it'll happen because it often does when they play Oregon in Tucson. So, you know, yeah. we'll see. Here when you said Pac-12 in the dark, I assumed you were referring to conference realignment because they're just <laughs> left in the dark. Indeed they are. So otherwise, we'll talk about that game and everything else with Arizona next week. Until then, make sure you have a great weekend. Remember to bear down. Bear down.